Hello, everyone, and welcome into Yelling from the Couch. I'm Brent Humphreys. On this episode, it's a preview of the Baltimore Ravens Cincinnati Bengals matchup this Sunday at 1 o'clock from Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. My guest this week from 105.7, the fans' film study analyst and the film study Baltimore podcast, Ken McCusick. Ken came on the show and we talked about the injuries that the Ravens suffered in week one and talked about how Zay Flowers is a number one wide receiver. Ken gets technical and goes deep in football terms. Talks about the Baltimore Ravens' weakness on defense. And we talk about how Lamar and Todd Munkin will coexist in that offense in the first season under Munkin. Check out Ken's podcast, Film Study Baltimore, and check him out on Twitter, at Film Study Ravens. And we'll be back right after this with Ken McCusick. At this time, I'd like to welcome on to the show from the Film Study Baltimore podcast and 105.7, the fans' film study analyst, Ken McCusick. Welcome to the show, Ken. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing good. Uh, ready to talk a little uh, Ravens-Bengals uh, sure matchup for this Sunday. Sure thing. So uh, last week the Ravens uh, faced the Texans uh, and they beat them 25-9. to nine. Uh, What were your thoughts on the game? Uh, mostly dis- very discouraged by the injuries that occurred, obviously. The Ravens had a, uh, a fine game defensively. They, they looked uh, – every bit the team they needed to be to take care of Stroud in that game and, and uh, shut him down. But the injuries were very serious. They had two offensive line injuries at left tackle to Ronnie Stanley at center to uh, Tyler Linderbaum and uh, one in the defensive backfield with Marcus Williams, who was one of their stars, of course, on defense. And uh, also J.K. Dobbins went down for the year, their, their uh, primary running back. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins, uh, this is his second uh, season-ending injury in uh, his four years there. Uh, do you think he'll be able to recover from that injury and come back? You know, I, that's not really for me to say. I think I think he'll uh, he'll play somewhere. I think it's it's uh, probably actually a little more likely he plays again for the Ravens at this point, given that the Ravens will probably sign him to a, a, a prove-it deal, but it's a tragedy for him. He's certainly lost his opportunity to really cash in on his uh, first four years. Yeah, uh, he's you know great running back coming out of Ohio State, and uh, injuries just seem like they're going to derail his career. Uh, this yeah. Sunday, the Ravens travel to Cincinnati uh, play at one o'clock. Last season, the Bengals and the Ravens played three times, twice in the regular seasons. The Ravens won the first matchup, then the Bengals took the second, and then week later in the wild card round, uh, the Bengals defeated him with Sam Hubbard's 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown. But the Bengals' two wins were without Lamar. Uh, are the Ravens looking for revenge this year after that heartbreaking playoff loss? I think the Ravens always want to win every divisional game, and Cincinnati's a, a, a significant foe. You know, football's very transitional, so it, it's not always the same players. But, you know, Players get asked that question all the time, and, and they get a little bit kind of kind of tired of it of it in, in those terms. Every loss is personal to them, 
uh, and, you know, they always dislike the divisional team, so there's, a, there's an extra incentive there. So, yeah, Ravens want this one. Yeah, but the two wins that the Bengals had were when Lamar Jackson was out last season. Lamar is 6-2 and two in his career against the Bengals. 2-1 and one head-to-head against Joe Burrow. Why do you think Lamar has so much success against the Bengals? Um, you know, there's the, I, I guess there's a there's a few different reasons. A six and two record is not too much different from Lamar's overall record because he's he's got a very very high winning percentage. But the uh, you know the Bengals were not very good when Lamar first came into the league um, in 2018. They, he had his first win against them. The Bengals weren't good then in 2019. Uh, the Bengals were terrible, and and I, I, did he get both wins against them? I'm trying to think of yeah, they played Pittsburgh in Week 17, so that was a week he sat out. So they got both wins against him then, and that was Lamar's MVP season. So it's been a matter of kind of circumstance as well. You know, the the, the pre-Burrow uh, time was a lot of uh, the times uh, Lamar faced him. So with Dobbins out uh, Sunday, the running back position uh, it will it be Gus Edwards starting. I, I would presume so. They have Melvin Gordon on the practice squad. They'll bring him up. Uh, the guy they really, that the Baltimore fans are really excited to see is definitely not Melvin Gordon. Melvin has a you know career of fumbling, and he's an older back. And the Ravens have been through a number of these transitional older backs the last few years, while they've had injuries to their to Dobbins and to others uh, in their running back room. But uh, Keaton Mitchell is a uh, track a, a speedster anyway. That's called a four thirty seven guy that that. Uh, will be back, we think, in week five. And uh, he really showed out in the preseason and, and in camp in particular. So uh, I'm excited to have him back at running back uh, at that point. Uh, Edwards will, will, will play some. I'm sure that Gordon will get some snaps. And Justice Hill is be probably the primary third down back. And he may get some more action on first down as well. So you mentioned that the Ravens had lost two other starting linemen. Do they bring up guys off the practice squad? I'm a Kentucky football fan. I know that the Ravens have Tayshawn Manning. Yeah. Uh, will he be brought up from, from the practice squad? I, I don't know, but he had a great preseason. I, I really liked Manning, and, and I'm an offensive line guy in terms of uh, scoring that uh, week by week, and, and Manning was a guy I really liked. Uh, he got by far the biggest chance of the third-string guy, three guys in terms of the number of snaps in the preseason. So I think there's a pretty good chance he's up. Uh, looks uh, looks pretty good, and, and at his size, he's looks like he's able to move a little bit too in terms of being able to level two and, and pull. Yeah, he was a bright spot for a, a bad Kentucky offensive line last year, so I'm I'm glad to see he's going to maybe get a chance this year. I'm, Even I'm, if it, I'm really not, <laughs> you know, if he gets a chance, that means somebody deserves it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I see it from your point of view there too. <laughs> Uh, so I, I noticed that uh, last week, Tyler Huntley, who started some last year when Lamar went down, was actually not the backup, and it was Josh Johnson. Is Huntley injured, or do they just think that Johnson would be a better option? Complex circumstance. So both are in the last year of their deals. Um Johnson just had a one-year deal and he's been the ultimate NFL journeyman. He's played for more NFL teams than anybody in, in league history. And uh, he may have won the second string job, but Huntley was the guy that they gave a little bit of additional money to, about a million and a half more. 
So he makes 2.67. Josh Johnson makes 1.17. So there was some thought that they would they would save cap and just go with Johnson as the number two. Uh, Huntley then had a pretty big preseason, but he got hurt in the in the game that he played and, and started in, and uh, was questioned was touch and go whether he's actually going to be available for this first game. So they they cut Johnson, they added Huntley to the to the original fifty three man roster. And of course, because of the handshake deal and the fact that you could bring back a player you cut who has five plus years of service if you have an agreement with them, um, then they were able to re-sign Johnson anyway. And then there was some question, I guess, as to whether Huntley was ready to go or not for week one. So Johnson was the the guy who was activated as the backup. I, I don't think the issue is yet decided. I think, you know, based on who made the roster, you'd say it's Huntley based on um, who has gotten the second string reps in the preseason. I think you'd say it was Johnson because he actually started ahead of Huntley in a couple games. Uh, well, in the first game anyway, when Huntley was healthy. But based on, if you go back to camp, uh, it was definitely Huntley who was the number two guy in terms of coming in and getting reps. So um, I don't think the issue is completely decided yet. So uh, last week, the... Ravens kind of struggled a little bit on offense. Uh, with Lamar, he went 17 of 22, 169, and a pick. Uh, are they just trying to adjust to the first-year offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin? Um, I'm not sure what it is. I mean, obviously, Todd Munkin and Lamar are just getting together for the first time. The offense with Greg Roman, even though Lamar was one of the people who, who reportedly didn't, really did not like it, in terms of, of the demands it made of him, that offense you know fit Lamar like a glove in terms of working with his ability to play off structure and whatnot. It was all about you know Lamar making decisions at the match point on where the football ought to go. And uh, I think the thing that a lot of Baltimore fans didn't like, and you could count me kind of not among this group, is that they didn't they didn't like route combinations and whatnot that um, were presented by uh, Roman's offense, but Roman's offense is the ultimate point of attack offense in recent NFL history, but by far the most successful run offense. And, you know, one that uh, really led Lamar to a lot of success. And frankly, that benefited the defense tremendously because it kept them off the field. And that's been a problem so far in the preseason this year is the Ravens haven't been able to out snap their opponents yet. They lost uh, the first game 72 58 to the Texans in terms of snaps. Uh, it, it's going to be difficult for this defense to continue to keep up that pace. And, you know, one thing about having a, you know, in the old days, if you're, if you're like me, an older guy, and it's, a, you know, the run and shoot offense of the Houston Oilers when it first came out. Uh, one of the difficult things for teams like that was figuring out how to close out games. And this, this team definitely did not do that against the Texans. They had 20 minutes to go in the game. They didn't get a single rushing first down. After that, they only got three total first downs. And that led to a big pile up of snaps and uh, and losing by uh, by quite a few. And uh, I'm a I'm a big proponent of making sure your opponent is off the field. Uh, so making sure you're, you're uh, you keep your opponent off the field, I should say, and and uh, what that does for your defense down the stretch. And particularly last year, uh, the Ravens kind of betrayed themselves with some poor offensive play in the fourth quarter early in the season that uh, allowed teams to get back into games, including some double digit comebacks and and uh as the season rolled on um that got better with with roquan smith 
join the team and whatnot, but uh, it, it still was a problem that the Ravens offense was not efficient enough or not nearly as efficient at, as it had been during the early Lamar era. Yeah, and Lamar re- led the team in rushing on Sunday, uh, but I would say that probably contributed a little bit to Dobbins going down. Did he go down early in the game? Um, I want to say second quarter, but I, I'm actually not 100% sure. They scored a touchdown, and, and it was on that drive that he that he went down. He he got down about the four-yard line or so, and then they ran in from there, but he, was, he had to be walking off the field at that point. So one of the bright spots for the Ravens' offense this past week was a first-round draft pick, Zay Flowers, out of Boston College. Uh, nine catches for 78 yards. Uh, what do you think about Zay Flowers in his first game as a Raven? He's been the, the talk of the Ravens' fans all summer. The outstanding camp, uh, unbelievably sudden athlete. So odd combination of not being a great route runner but being an unbelievably sudden athlete to the point where um, you know, he separates tremendously at any kind of break point uh, with, with what he does. And uh, the Ravens trying to make him a better route runner, but he's played a lot against zone defenses and zone defenses, you know, the, the, the cornerback opposite you is not in your face, not all the time anyway. And so when you get to, to where you would normally break at the top of the stem, you don't have an opportunity as often or as much to juke that player and force him to make a misstep that will then create lots of additional separation. So he hasn't, he never had to do that really at, at Boston College where they where they also faced a lot of zone defense. And I think that's going to be one of the things for him in the NFL. But when he learns to do any of that, oh my God, is he going to be really special? Because he's already getting tons of separation just on his pure skills. Um, and uh, he's been very good about catching the ball, and his, after the catch, he's been fairly remarkable. He had four missed tackles in week one forced, so uh, that was a really great start for him, and uh, I think they've kind of overused him, frankly, in gadget plays, but I think some of that was basically putting a putting a show on for the advanced scouts for the Bengals for this week two game, because I think the, the Ravens had a lot of guys now on this team who are who are gadget plays last week in week five of the year and the ravens win it was devin duvernay i think he could be back to have a more significant role this week um keaton mitchell has that incredible speed love to get him in space and then justice hill also still really a speedster coming out of school a 443 guy who uh who brings a lot in terms of uh, of the ability to, to to do gadget plays. So i'm really hoping that it flowers role changes to more of one where he takes the top off the defense takes the safety's attention away on a play-by-play basis and allows those Ravens tight ends and other receivers like Beckham and whatnot to operate in the middle of the field where they can hopefully be less well attended. Yeah, like you said, once he gets it figured out, I could see him being the number one sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think he's Uh, already the Ravens' number one by a wide margin. Yeah, yeah, it would be more solidified, I guess, I'm I'm meaning. (laughs) Uh, then they also have OBJ. Uh, how do you think he's going to fit into this offense for this season? You know, he is – the fans love him in terms of, uh, you know, having a, a, a kind of a star receiver. They haven't had one really since Anquan Bolden in this town. Um, and uh, that's something that, that if, you, if you're if you at camp, I mean, the way that OBJ was treated on every catch and, you know, when, when – 
we kind of stand in a specific spot to ask our questions and it's terribly engineered there. You know, everything about the, the castle is just marvelously orchestrated. You stand in the corner between two buildings. So there's a lot of sound reverberating off the, off these two brick facings that are right there. And you can't hear questions. You can't hear the, 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 the uh, other players or Harbaugh or any of the other, other coaches or coordinators talking because you know, the sound is just reverberated, reverberating in from the kids, and largely it's it's uh, you know people yelling for OBJ's autograph. So you have that. Any time he makes a catch, it's the biggest thing. This last week, he made a he made a nice contested catch down the left sideline late in the game, about twenty nine yards. The crowd went wild, and they wouldn't shut up. And the next play comes up, and you know you're you're supposed to be quiet for the offense. And, you know most fans know that, and, and they're still cheering for OBJ from last play. So it's nice. I mean, the Ravens have a, a kind of a um, an anti-hero on their team. Obviously, every other team's uh, team hates him, but uh, kind of an anti-hero to direct some of the attention away from, you know, what's going on. So I think that's positive. The Ravens haven't had that in a while. Yeah, it's hard for me to like him, you know, with him stopping in Cleveland and Baltimore. It's kind of like Zadarius Smith. And me as a Kentucky fan, you know, he's making his way around the division but not hitting the team that I'm for, you know. Gotcha. Uh so we've talked about the uh, the offense. Who are some players to watch out on the defense? Ravens defense appears to be pretty well rounded, but it's more of a scheme group than a um, than a uh, uh, really individual talent group in terms of the pass rush. So uh, let's we'll start there. Uh, Adafi Owe is in his third season. Finally getting to play rush linebacker on a down-by-down basis, which is important. He needs, he needs to do that to learn how to rush the passer. The Ravens hired a pass rush guru, Chuck Smith, to come in. Uh, he's run his own camps. He's been uh, around it. And there appears to be progress made there. Oway had four quarterback hits, including one that was called back by, negated by penalty this last week. Uh, on the other side, Jadavion Clowney has looked really good. Um, he had five pressures in his first game. Really didn't fill up the stat sheet, but... His five pressures were a pressure of his own, a quarterback hit of his own, a pressure leading to a quarterback hit by Owe, a pressure leading to a sack by Ardarius Washington, and a pressure leading to a sack fumble by Ajabo. So it was he had a really big game, big, big uh, impact on the game this last week. So that was positive. Um, they've got the big guy in the middle is Travis Jones, who was absolutely fantastic in the preseason. Um, and if you have anybody who's a little bit undersized, the Ravens like to play a little bit of one and three with uh, nose tackle Michael Pierce, who can certifiably move people, and particularly a one-on-one matchup. And, and Travis Jones, who uh, is just a physical monster um, in the middle. So we'll see if he does. I, I, he'd be one, one pick I have to have an impact on this game. At, at, at Inside linebacker, they're, they're very talented, probably the best – Tandem uh, in the league, I'd say certainly one of the best in terms of Roquan and Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen, very quick, makes plays, doing better in coverage this year. That's been a huge deficit for him in the early stage of his career. Uh, still had a couple of missed tackles this first week. He's also kind of known for that, for missing tackles. Roquan had 16, though, uh, which had to be close to the NFL lead. I don't know where he was, actually, but you know, 16 tackles for anybody is a, is a remarkable game. Where the Ravens are really weak is at cornerback. And Marlon Humphrey is out. They have uh, two cornerbacks starting. Brandon Stevens, who's a third-year player, um, a, a kind of surprising third-round pick out of SMU that they bounced between safety and corner. And they were going to have him back at safety this year, 
but the need developed first at slot corner, so they started camp with him there, and then an outside corner uh, where he played last year, and then the need arose there, and they needed to move him there and stick him. And it's just funny. They're doing the same thing basically again with a player that has some talent, and, and it's, I've been kind of disappointed with him, frankly, so far in his career, but has some talent, but they're trying to play him at multiple positions and not letting him really learn how to play one. At the on the other side, they've got Ronald Darby, who's a um, uh, journeyman NFL player uh, who's here. He last played for the Broncos, had an injury last year that kept him out for most of the year. But uh, he he looked very good, a really good downhill defender. Don't have any idea how either of these guys is going to hold up against the Bengals, but I expect a, a you know fair amount of cover to play from a, a, what is still a very good safety pair with Stone and Kyle Hamilton. So we should see that. And the last guy I didn't mention in the secondary so far is um, is Ardarius Washington, who's been the real star of the preseason and camp. And it's been the biggest question answer for the Ravens' defense in terms of uh, who they have. So he's been terrific. Um, I, again, we'll see how, how he holds up against uh, some stiffer competition than the Texans could offer. The uh, the Ravens, you said the, the weak point of the defense would be the – defensive backfield and you know i think that the cincinnati Bengals that's their weakness on defense as well uh, what do you say safety for safety for the for the Bengals, right with the loss of baits and it's, it's yes. definitely not at safety with the ravens ravens have a very solid safety room even with marcus peters down yeah with a, a woozy a coming back and uh, cam taylor Britt, you know i like i like those guys pretty good it's the the rookies, you know, like well, Dax Hill, he's in his second season, and then Jordan Battle, uh, you know, and they have Nick Scott from the Rams, but you know, it's it's not you know Jesse Bates back there like it was, you know, trying to replace that. But that is the weakness for the Bengals defense as well. Ravens, a lot of the success the Bengals have had in recent years. I mean, there's just been multiple players, but Sam Umbert has obviously been a big thorn even before the run last year. Uh, yeah. Logan Wilson has been an enormous pain in the rear uh, in terms of players there. I think uh, Davis Gaither fits more what really helps what it really helps to have against Lamar in terms of a faster linebacker. Uh, and then Jesse Bates has been on you know the back end lurking on a lot of plays against the Ravens as well. So that's been something that's hurt. And uh, Lamar goes over the middle to Mark Andrews a lot, and when he does, there's a chance of an overthrow. And when that happens, Bates is a good loose bracket guy and. He's been a guy who's, who's you know, like Ed Reed, really played for the overthrow a lot, and, uh, and and that's been very effective against the Ravens. You just mentioned Mark Andrews. Uh, is he expected to play this Sunday against the Bengals? Because he's been a thorn in the Bengals' side. Yeah, I, I don't know is the answer. Uh, he's limited in the first two practices of this week. I They haven't practiced yet today. At least I don't think they have. So they haven't um, uh, released their injury report for the week. When they do, they'll uh, uh, you know they'll probably list it as questionable. Would be my guess, and I expect us to know at one p.m. on Sunday, and not really much before. Actually, at, at eleven thirty on Sunday, I'll, I'll expect us to know if you follow the uh, uh, inactives. So, what do you think the key matchup is for this game on Sunday? I think it's it's pretty much how quickly the Ravens can generate pressure on defense would be the question I have about them. I think Burrow has shown last year that that he didn't really like going over the uh, over the top against the Ravens very often. So they threw a lot of balls to the outside in all three games, really, 
a lot of wide receiver screens and whatnot to take advantage of the fact that teams are back in cover two. I think that the, the Ravens are likely to continue that. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of their one of their best players on defense is Kyle Hamilton. He'll be not at nickel, but he'll be at at uh, strong safety in this game. So if he's further back on the field, it limits what the Ravens present downhill. They're a little bit smaller uh, in terms of the guys they have there. Brandon Stevens is a little bit of a hitter, but our Darius Washington is 5'8". And, uh, uh, well, he's not a bad downhill player. It's definitely not his strength. So we'll see um, uh, how they react to that. But I do expect I, – I, I do expect the, the Bengals will try and go down the field some, but it'll be a measure of how much they test their offense, they trust their offensive line and how much success they're having in picking up the, the blitzes and stunts that the Ravens present to see what kind of game plan they, they show the Ravens, whether they're still going to the outside a lot on wide receiver screens or whether they're, they're actually looking to push the ball down the field and let players like Higgins go up in, in matchups against Darby or, or uh, Chase against uh, Stevens and see how that goes. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the keys is which team could get the running game going this week. Uh, neither team really showed last week much of the running game. But uh, I guess we'll see on Sunday if they can, you know, get mix. if the Bengals can get mixing going or if the Ravens can get some sort of running game going and then that'll open up some passing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's new news for the Ravens because the Ravens don't know who they are right now as a running team at all. Um, they, they don't play Patrick Ricard as much. And even in a game where they're closing out the Texans and they had the, you know, they had the game in hand fairly early, uh, Patrick Ricard played half the snaps as opposed to maybe three quarters of the snaps last year. They play a lot lighter in terms of tight ends and OL six where last year they were the heaviest offense, perhaps in NFL history in a relative sense, meaning the number of tight ends, fullbacks and OL six per play they played last year was over 2.3. There hasn't been a team in recent years been anywhere near that. Um, the, the, the heaviest was the 1999 Vikings, who, who played 1.99 uh, per snap. And I, I think if you went back over the over the history of football, it's been decades since any team has played, uh, you know, relied as heavily on on tight end play as the as the 2022 Ravens did. But uh, you might have to go back literally into the 70s or the 60s to find a team that that played as relatively heavily. Uh, Bengals are a three-point favorite at home. The over/under is forty-six and a half. Uh, you know, I don't know. I would say, you know, they've had some battles before where there's been some high-scoring games between these two teams, but I don't know if this year's teams would, you know, go over that over/under. Not really my area uh, of the thing. I'm, I don't generally bet football. Um, you know, weather obviously will play a role. Um, you know, how much, uh, you know, how, what, what the pace of the game is. The Ravens, you know, they, they want to play fast. So that is one thing. If you're a gambler to, to look at this year, the more fast they play, the faster they want to be the line of scrimmage, the more vulnerable they are defensively as well. So um, it, it's something to think about. Yeah, could turn into a shootout if that's the case. Uh so are there any draft picks in the that the Ravens will be playing besides Zay Flowers to look out for? Um, well, John Simpson will play special teams. He's not uh, – not John Simpson. I am uh, Trenton Simpson. Uh, so he'll play special teams, and, and he's uh, you know, been fine there. Uh, we've seen flashes of him in, in the preseason as an inside linebacker. 
they traded their second round pick for Roquan. Um, and then they, I'm trying to think of, of who else is, is uh, even playing. It's Flowers is the primary guy this year. They had uh, Sala, I will call him. He is a very long um, uh, name that's very difficult to pronounce, so that's what we always uh, call him. But uh, he's he was playing at left guard to start the, the, the uh, preseason and OTAs. I think that was kind of the light of fire under John Simpson. So they, they have, we haven't really seen him for, uh, uh, for much of the time. Does not appear to be ready for an NFL field. So uh, you know, they, a lot of their draft was setting up 2024, really more than 2023, where they have players like Queen in, in the spot that Simpson will take over, presumably. And uh, the seventh round pick they had is a guy named Voris. Um, outstanding offensive lineman who got injured at the combine, still did the bench press with an ACL and did 38 reps to lead everybody who was there. And he looks wow. like their right, right guard of the future. Uh, uh, they'll take over for Zeitler, I would think, next year. Yeah, Zeitler's been in the league for quite a while. Uh, started at Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, uh, well, Ken, uh, thank you for coming on and chatting a little bit Ravens and Bengals this week. I appreciate uh, it, Brad. Always, always a pleasure. Yeah, uh, if you want to go ahead and give a shout-out to your plugs or whatever, you know. Oh, okay, sure thing. I appreciate it, Brent. Uh, so no I'm at Film Study Ravens on Twitter if you want to follow me, and my website is filmstudybaltimore.com. Uh, a lot of highly technical content, if you didn't gather that from just hearing me talk here. Uh, uh have uh, offensive line scoring uh, for every game, for every player, every play. Um, and I have uh, a lot of defensive analysis that rotates around participation by play. So if you like that kind of highly technical stuff for a divisional opponent, uh, I'm usually the people, the person people recommend from Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, like I've listened to the pods, uh, you got defense, then you've got an offense, you know, different ones. And you, like you said, you break it down, you know, it's really good. Listen, if, if, you know, you're really into the football stuff like that. Appreciate that. Brad. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. And we'll see you later. My thanks to Kim McCusick for coming onto the show and taking the time to break down the Ravens Bengals matchup coming up on this Sunday. Uh, well, thank you all for listening, tuning in, and we'll see you in the next one. Yay. <laughs>